1: bombas big comfort for everyone go to bombus.com slash acast and use code acast for 20 percent off your first purchase
0: in ireland we love a good story and i'm lucky enough to be able to chat to people from all over the world to hear their story and to hear about their life in dublin In this podcast, we want to be able to learn from the stories of others, so that people who have recently moved to Dublin can get the most out of their time here. This week, I'm talking to Rishan. Welcome to the podcast, Rishan.
1: Thank you for having me, Mark.
0: Have you ever watched the TV series Mad Men?
1: Only like bits and pieces.
0: Yeah. So... There's there's a guy in Mad Men, I don't know if you can remember. He's one of the older guys, um, and he, he walks around the office in his bare feet without shoes. And today was one of those days where, I'm sorry, but I was the weird guy in the office, but I was so hot that I had to just take off my shoes. Obviously, you know, it's inappropriate to take off anything else in an office, but I was like, my feet are absolutely roasting. I'm taking off my shoes. So I just started walking around the office in, in, in my bare feet and um, so that was kind of my weird introduction to the day
1: love that i also was really regretting wearing sneakers today because we don't have a dress code at my office i in theory could i did not have to wear those today but i for whatever reason chose a long sleeve shirt on one of the hottest days of the year <laughs> uh and i had some regrets today it wasn't the no regrets from where the millers it was <laughs> it was some regrets
0: where do you work
1: I work just next door to where we're recording this episode. I work at Meta now, a.k.a. Facebook.
0: Yeah, I'm still not used to that. I'm still calling them Facebook.
1: Honestly, me neither. If Mark ever hears this, Marky Z, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Where are you from? I am from Albuquerque, New Mexico. uh, Technically, a small village within the city limits of Albuquerque, New Mexico, called Los Ranchos de Albuquerque. Uh, But I relocated to Dublin from Austin, Texas, where I had lived for six years.
0: Okay, so when did you arrive in Dublin?
1: Almost to the day three years ago, on July 7th, 2019.
0: Okay. And what's the experience been like so far?
1: Overall, I would say very positive. Mm. Um, Obviously, had a little blip in the middle there with the pandemic.
0: Yeah, Uh, Just a little.
1: Just a small, small two two years. uh, Still ongoing. Let's not pretend it's over. (laughs) But uh, I'd say overall, it's been really good. I think the first moment I arrived, I felt a sense of home, Mm. which is hard to describe, but it was just a very intuitive gut feeling. I was driving down from the airport in the taxi and uh, the driver laughed at me because I mentioned that it was cold, but it was a summer morning and I just felt, oh yeah, this makes sense.
0: Mm. I've heard a lot about Austin, Texas. I actually, um, when I was studying in, back in university, there was, um, a lady from the States in my class. Um, she was a mature student, but I was kind of, you know, considering what I was going to do after the college and that, and she was like, if you're going to go to the States, you have to go to Austin, Texas. And um, I, I, just, that is the place that I would recommend. Um, and she kind of, I think she said it because it's not too big. It has a music scene, which yeah. is kind of, you know, Dublin, obviously is, is has quite a lot of live music and you know we have a tradition of music in this country as well um and i've always wanted to go there since she said it to me and it's become really popular since i think a lot of people from california have migrated to yeah. uh, the tech companies are migrating to austin and um, are there any similarities between austin and dublin or
1: oh yeah i'd say so i noticed a lot pretty right away you already mentioned the biggest one i'd say with the music uh so austin is the live music capital of the u.s and you can always catch some really cool shows and they have them they have all sorts they'll play all sorts of music there but they're known for a particular kind of music themselves kind of the the texas i wouldn't say it's like country music but a very specific kind of texas bluesy uh folksy kind of vibe so you'll find that most common but you'll find everything Mm. uh Aside from that, I'd say kind of the the integration of green spaces in the cities is quite similar to like here where you have the canal that you can walk down. It reminds me of the Barton Creek Greenbelt in Texas, where you can go and just walk down this lovely green creek. And it's really much it's really in the middle of the city. Mm. Um, It it also divides north and south in the city, but it doesn't quite do the same thing in the neighborhoods as Dublin does. Yeah. So down the middle.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. food scene is somewhat similar as well i would say i know irish food scene the dublin food scene has like expanded a lot lately and i'd say texas is kind of similar in that way austin similar in that way um what else
0: i'm gonna go out on a whim and say that um we we don't have an irish sorry we we don't have a culture of food like a a historical culture of food but austin does well yeah i can imagine but our well, let's say our international food scene has improved dramatically, I think, over the last 10, 15 years, probably because of the number of expats who are living in the city who, and also Irish people who have traveled and kind of come back to Ireland and kind of said, maybe the quality of food should be better here. <laughs> yeah. Um,
1: no offense to Irish food. I actually quite enjoy a lot of Irish food.
0: <laughs> <laughs> like what?
1: I, the first night that I was here, I went and I was like, let's, how do we make this the most authentic first Irish night possible? And I went and I got some, myself a pint of Guinness and some beef and Guinness stew. Mm. And I have to say, I really liked it.
0: And I've never done it again.
1: <laughs> I have only done it a couple of times since. Yeah.
0: It can be nice. It can be nice. Yeah, I agree. Um, so today we're first, we're, we're, we're te- if you think the um, podcast sounds a little bit different this week, it's because we're actually using proper microphones um, and I'm trying. I'm hoping that I'm speaking into it. Do you want to just want to make sure that you're also speaking it? Like,
1: closer? yeah, let's let's hope that this has not been a fruit futile effort thus far. <laughs> I, I still see the green lights going yeah, over there, yeah, but no, it just I, got more.
0: I think we're good. I think we're we good. Um, so you were six years in Austin. Before that, you you were in Albuquerque. But you, yes, the way you said it was you used a Spanish. Was that because it was a Spanish speaking area or, or what, what happened there?
1: It is. And it was also uh, so New Mexico, obviously colonized by Spain, primarily. And so Albuquerque is the correct pronunciation. Everybody would just say Albuquerque, though, mm. uh, for the most part, unless you are a Spanish speaker. Mm. But there is a particular part of the city where I'm from, and it's called Los Ranchos de Albuquerque. And that's because it's this tiny little village, like a tiny little enclave within the city limits of greater Albuquerque because it grew around the the village. And it's these larger ranches. Mm-hmm. So it used to be a kind of farming area just outside the city. The city has grown around it. But everybody in Los Ranchos really values kind of that open space and that sense of calm and quiet. So they held on.
0: Yeah, good. And now
1: you have a lot of the the bigger acreage down in that part of it's in the north valley in Mm. albuquerque
0: yeah um why did you end up coming to dublin
1: ah what a story that is it it starts actually back in albuquerque um okay when i was the very very origins i would call it when i was 13 years old so about 15 years ago okay um i which sounds crazy but bear with me so That's when I very first got the opportunity to start studying Hindi, uh, Mm -hmm. one of the many languages spoken in India. And I had no idea what I was getting myself into. I think at the time I'd I'd exclusively been studying Spanish because it's the second most commonly spoken language in the state uh, to English. And Mm -hmm. so everybody kind of learned Spanish for a little bit. And Albuquerque was my experience growing up. But I got this random opportunity Uh, My mom really encouraged me to pursue it, so I give her a lot of credit in this, and I loved it.
0: Why do you think, like, what was her reasoning to pursue Hindi? Because to me, that is just so random. Yeah. Um, Like, I can understand if you were living in, in another part of the world, like, closer to India, let's just say, or in an Asian country that maybe people learn, in, like in Ireland, for example, that I'm aware of, there is no schools that teach Hindi. I'm sure there are classes and things like that and within the Indian community, perhaps for their children who are living here and they want them to to learn that as well. But it's, it's so random. But why was your mother encouraging of Hindi? Where does that come from?
1: I think my mom has always had a very open and global view of the world. She had also just started doing some business with some people from India. It was kind of auspicious timing in that way. And she really understood more than I could as an angsty 13-year-old how unique an opportunity it was. Because, I mean, you just said, I don't I don't know anywhere in Ireland that teaches Hindi. I don't know anywhere else in the United States, at a high school level at least, that was teaching Hindi. Uh, I couldn't, though, grasp at 13 years old what that meant in terms of how unique an opportunity it was. Mm. And I think she had the foresight to see that it might be useful to me someday in my career. She's very pragmatic. Wow. Um uh, and so she was like, you know what? It might be useful. It might not be. You don't you never know, but you'll never get this chance again.
0: Mm.
1: So don't waste it.
0: Okay, so that you're given a chance, an opportunity, you're 13 years old, right? Yep. I've been given lots of chances, opportunities in my life, but I know how difficult it is to learn a language. How how did you go about learning Hindi and how did you have the motivation to continue learning it?
1: Part of that I think was just a uh, Again, I mentioned it when I moved here, that innate feeling. And part of that I had when I started learning Hindi. It just very immediately felt good. Um, I think I'm lucky and I pick up languages fairly easily. Uh, Also, I was not young, but younger. uh, And I think it was easier for me then than it would be now for me to learn a whole new language. Mm. Um, But I had a great teacher who really took us from the very basics up through full conversations, full-blown conversations. We started just learning the alphabet because it is different. Uh, tracing on really beautifully done worksheets. She was a graphic designer. Mm-hmm. Um, so gorgeous worksheets. Amazing. <laughs> and uh, just lots of little quizzes and just connecting it to our lives and kind of drawing the parallels to help us see our lives through Hindi in addition to using Hindi as uh, an entryway to India. And it was really cool. It was, but it was not overwhelming. I think that's another part of it was it, it, I think learning a language can very easily be overwhelming, especially if you're doing it by yourself. And so she was a great guide for us, but I also just loved it. Like I, I, I really picked it up quickly, which helped, uh, it's always nice when you're good at things that you Mm. like from the, from the beginning.
0: Yeah. What was your teacher's name?
1: Nita Varma, but we always call her Nita Ji. And that Ji in Hindi is kind of the respectful participle. All
0: oh, right. That's very cool. Yes. I think she deserves a bit of credit. So that's Absolutely. Why Thank you, Nitaji. Yeah. It's not an easy thing to do to teach a language. Believe me, I know. Um, <laughs> yeah, you would know. <laughs> so when you came out of out of uh, school or yes. high school, as you would have called it, you were fair, I stuck with it. You, you, you were fairly decent or, I was. or you were fluent.
1: I wouldn't say fluent quite yet. One of our main teaching tools was Bollywood movies, which actually helped a lot with building that conversational fluency. Yeah. But as you might imagine, the larger Hindi speaking community in Albuquerque is fairly small. So we didn't have a lot of chances to fully immerse ourselves around the language, which I think is, for me, was the most valuable part of becoming fluent. Yeah. Um, so to answer your earlier question too, how did I stick to it? I decided I wanted to pursue it in college, whether I wanted to get a degree in it or just have it as a class in addition to other majors. I hadn't really decided, but I found this really cool program uh, called the Hindi Urdu flagship. Uh, It's been since disbanded, I believe, but it was at the University of Texas in Austin. Mm -hmm. And the goal of the program was to get students as close to native level proficiency as possible. Cool. So, and there, it was part of the overall, like, U.S. national language flagships, but this one was different because those are much, a lot of the other language flagships out of that program are more, like, practical. This one was very academic. So, some of my coursework was gender and sexuality in Urdu literature. Um, Wow. Yeah. Satire in Urdu literature. I focused on Urdu. Um, So, it was a very cool program. And, oh, Hindi and English translation and meaning was probably my all-time favorite class close with the gender and sexuality one for for language studies
0: so you really like you really enjoyed it
1: loved it like truly loved it yeah and that's actually i mean ultimately that is what brought me here so my my role at facebook i'm an urdu market specialist uh, which is part of the global operations team uh for risk prevention
0: so a job opportunity came up
1: it did not immediately yeah but i did end up through that program in the ut i got a degree in urdu Um, I picked Urdu because, like I said, one of my main teaching tools is Bollywood. That's where I fell in love with the language, I would say. Mm. And in Bollywood, a lot of the songs are written in Urdu. And there's a lot of similarities between Hindi and Urdu as languages Mm. themselves. Um, So I picked Urdu. And then I did something else for a couple of years. uh, As one does after college with a liberal arts degree in the United States, you kind of take the first best opportunity you get. Yeah. And uh, I was doing something completely unrelated, but I did mention my proficiency in Urdu on my resume and on my LinkedIn profile. And there was one day I got this random email outreach from a, a Facebook recruiter saying that we have this opportunity for you. And I thought it was too good to be true because it seemed so specific to me. I thought for sure it was a scam. So I deleted it. Oh, wow. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, But then they reached back out to me on LinkedIn, uh, instead of via email. And I was like, oh, now I can actually go look at this person's profile and see if they're real or seem like a bot. And I was like, oh no, this looks like a real person. Maybe I should pursue this.
0: That's amazing because you got an opportunity. Um, as you said, like your mother recognized that you had a unique opportunity, then you went through and you, you followed through with that, which is not an easy thing to do in and of itself. Um, so you got to a proficient level in Urdu, you're saying? What's the the difference between Hindi and, and Urdu? Are they different languages?
1: They are different languages, but they are quite similar. So Urdu originated as a kind of combination of the court language of the Mughal Persians. And so their language was Farsi and the local languages, which were kind of an old version of Hindi, because originally the court officials couldn't really talk to the common people because they came from outside of India and had a completely different language family. But Urdu emerged as this really beautiful kind of melting pot combination between languages. And it so it brings in a lot of Farsi. It brings in a lot from Arabic. Uh, and it brings wow. in a lot from Hindi and from some other local languages, depending on which part of India you learn Urdu in. Wow. Um, and Hindi is derived from Sanskrit. Uh, so yeah. it comes very much from the subcontinent, whereas Urdu has roots kind of all over the place. I guess intrinsically, I would relate to that a little bit, too. Um, <laughs> also, the difference in script. So Hindi is written in Devanagari, which is looks like this, what Sanskrit is written in. And then Urdu is written in the alphabet. is called Nasalih, and it looks more like Arabic. Uh, so right to left, and the letters kind of combine and change forms depending on where they are in the word. Uh, whereas Hindi is more a little bit more like English in the way that you write it, where you stack it from left to right. Mm.
0: It's that's fascinating, and for for someone who's interested in languages and history and culture, because it's all mixed into one thing. Like I'm sure that when you started learning these languages and the differences between them, you're also discovering the cultures of of these you know civilizations, essentially. Oh yeah. Yeah. And
1: I, it was something I hadn't really ever been exposed to before, certainly not in high school, um, aside from, you know, going to eat at an Indian restaurant and mm-hmm. having, having Indian friends and knowing generally about India and that it was massive and had a lot of people. Uh, we don't really cover that much detail in world history in mm-hmm. American high schools, mm-hmm. although I went to grade school, but uh, I mean, it had to have been pretty cool to offer Hindi.
0: Indian food is the best, by the way. I'm a huge fan. I mean, I've never been to India, and I imagine that the food that we have here in Ireland is not, uh, you know, I don't don't know.
1: You can get some good Indian food here. I'd say what a lot of people assume is just Indian food when you say Indian food is really North Indian food. It's like the chicken tikka masala and like the thicker curries. That's like North Indian food. But in South India, you have dosa, which is like a crepe filled with potatoes. Yeah. Uh, you have the coconut milk-based curries instead of the cream-based in the north. Uh, you have so much good food in the south. I think South Indian food is my one of my top three favorite cuisines of all time.
0: Wow. Well, I have to ask, what's what's number one and number two?
1: Oh, they always trade places within the top three. So they're all tied for first, second, and third, but it's Thai food and Japanese food. <laughs> I, I like spice. I,
0: I, can't, I can't disagree with that. I'm surprised Italian didn't get in there. Italian is in most people's top three.
1: Not even close for me. Oh, but wow. I'm I'm allergic to dairy and eggs, so okay. that nixes yeah. most of Italian. Food. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's out the door. That's a pity. It's a, uh, it's pretty sensational stuff. And um, you mentioned that you could kind of relate to the the idea of Urdu being kind of uh, a mix of different cultures being being put together. Um, why do you have that? Why do you relate to it like that?
1: Yeah, so my grandmother on my dad's side, um, and it's a shame that in English we don't have words like you do in in a language like Hindi or Urdu that specify the maternal versus paternal grandmother much more easily than that mouthful. Mm, Yeah. Um, So in Urdu, I would call her my dadi, but in Tatar language, which is my heritage on my dad's side, it would be apkai. Okay. Um, So my dad's mom was born in Japan. Okay. uh, But she's not Japanese. She's Tatar which is kind of a Central Asian ethnic group with very confusing roots to me uh, as kind of somebody who's trying to learn from the outside, I would say. Um, I just did an Ancestry DNA test or a 23andMe DNA test, not sponsored. Um, (laughs) But I learned that my family's roots are primarily from that little part of southern Russia called Tatarstan, which is near the borders also with Kazakhstan and Mongolia okay um so kind of all mixed around in that area of the steppes of like north central asia yeah uh but her family was persecuted during the bolshevik revolution uh for being muslim so they fled to japan uh where her her father so my great-grandfather set up a store they were uh merchants Mm. it was like a general store and a tailor okay um and this, I don't know for sure their last name, which sounds so silly, but their last name was messed up by American immigration when they moved to the US. <laughs> it's so annoying. Classic. So it was either Baigujin or Baihuza was the last name of my family. And okay. I actually really don't know which one it is. Wow. Um, and so they were in Japan, and then World War II happened, and then they went to Korea. Uh, and I think I get this from my grandmother, my love of languages. She grew up speaking Tatar language, uh, Japanese, and French. Weirdly, she was in a French missionary school in Japan. Uh, dropped French, picked up Korea Korean, went to Korea. Then the Korean War happened. Oh, my god! <laughs> and then they went to Turkey. And in Turkey, uh, she also picked up Turkish. And I'm not sure where along the way she picked up English, but somewhere along that way, she also picked up English. So she's sitting right now at Japanese, Korean, Tatar language, Turkish, and English.
0: That's incredible. Uh, true
1: polyglot. Yeah. And then it was in Turkey that she met my great, or my grandfather, and my dad was born in Ankara. And then they moved to the U.S. Uh, my grandfather was a contracts officer in the American Air Force and was stationed in Ankara. Wow! So what they a met. Story. Yeah, crazy story. And then everybody ended up in Albuquerque, New Mexico. <laughs> um, <laughs> my great, my grandparents for the Air Force base in Albuquerque, Kirtland Air Force Base. Uh, my dad for studying at the University of New Mexico. And my mom was actually born and raised in Albuquerque. Well, a little bit in El Paso as well, but born in Albuquerque, same hospital I was born in.
0: Yeah. Uh, So so that kind of, um, that history that your family has is obviously extremely interesting. It it makes for a great story. Were you able to learn, like you've moved to Austin, then you moved to Dublin. Did their experiences, were they able to teach you anything that helped you in your travels, you integrating into new places?
1: I think yes, but not intentionally, if that makes sense. It was just how I was raised was very open. And knowing that you can live in all of these different places and call lots of different places home, I think the concept of home to me is never really about like the the town that I grew up in or the house that I grew up in or anything like that. It's more about kind of a, a feeling, and I learned that from my family and from how often they've moved around but still been able to make these places their home. So I think it was just something I grew up knowing, but never like nobody ever really gave me concrete advice. I would say about moving to a new country and starting a new chapter in that way. That
0: is. Um... If they were able to teach you that, that the sense of home is a feeling as opposed to a place, that is an extremely valuable thing. And just Agreed. speaking from my from my own experience. So um, I grew up, both my parents passed away when I was younger. We sold our family home, which I grew up in, right? With myself and my siblings, we decided that we had to sell it. So when it was sold, I had this kind of sense of, You know, this kind of like I had like a a, a radar or a compass or an arrow looking for a location of where is home. And I really struggled with it for a few years. And to a certain extent, I still do a little bit. Um, And that idea of where is home and that kind of area, which is is Clontarf, a beautiful area where I was so lucky to grow up in.
1: One of my favorite places to walk in Dublin.
0: Yeah, it's it's amazing. Um, I had a kind of, I, I disassociated from it for a while. Um, yeah. I went with a group of friends to live over in Rathmines, and I very, very infrequently went back to Clontarf because I just it was like, I had that feeling that it wasn't my home anymore. Um, and now, over the years, I've I've kind of gotten to that sense state of I'm trying to create that feeling of it's a, as you said, it's a feeling, it's not a a place. But that is something that if you learned that from a young age, like if I had. If I had that education and that had happened to me over the course of my life, that would have been incredibly helpful. And for you to be able to move from city to city or to wherever, country, whatever, and have a real center of a home within yourself, then that's something very valuable, right?
1: I completely agree. And it is, it, it's so hard to teach yourself that. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I feel very lucky and very grateful that I, I picked it up along the way so much yeah uh and i've never really uh, occasionally but not often have i struggled with you know feeling homesick for example it just isn't something that i feel mm. often and yeah. i know that a lot of people can't relate to that mm. but it's just i don't know it's i've i've never i've never thought of home as just the the place where i grew up Um uh, so I feel like I can be reminded of home very easily in other places. Mm. But yeah, it's if, if I I struggle to imagine being able to have moved. I didn't mention it, but I also have lived in India before as part of my uh, degree. Uh, I lived in India for a year. Wow. And I can't. I don't think that I would have been able to. Like maybe it would have been really hard for me to leave Albuquerque to go to Austin for school, and yeah. then to leave Austin to go to India for study abroad for a year. And then to come back to Austin, but then to leave, to move to Dublin, Ireland, which when I moved here in 2019, it was sight unseen. I had never been here before. I had no conception of what this place was like. Yeah. And it was just a chance that I took. But I, I don't think I would have been able to do that if I, like you were just saying, if I didn't have that innate sensation or maybe I could have, but it would have been a lot harder.
0: Mm. Have you ever had a big sense of culture shock, whether it be here Ooh. or in India or
1: Texas? The- So I I actually have had some culture shock going from Albuquerque to Texas because uh, Texas is quite a place. Um, And Austin is often described, myself included, I describe it this way as like the blueberry floating in the tomato soup. Um, So the very liberal (laughs) Mecca of Texas. Um, But I think the biggest culture shock I've ever experienced was actually reverse culture shock. Uh, I think when I went to India and I, I lived there for a few so the first time i lived in india was 2014 and Mm -hmm. i lived there for um a summer in rajasthan would not recommend going to rajasthan that time of year would absolutely recommend going in the winter or later
0: what hour temperature was it
1: like daily somewhere between 38 and 43 yeah it was just unbearable yeah um
0: I imagine it was very humid as well.
1: No, Rajasthan's a desert, which was my only okay. saving grace.
0: <laughs> right, okay.
1: Yeah, it was my only saving grace. But uh, when I went there, I think I knew that it was going to be something completely new and different mm-hmm. for me. Very and exciting. so I was very prepared to deal with any sort of shock. And I think I talked myself out of experiencing culture shock, aside from the very first moment that I landed. In India, people honk their horns a lot when they drive. And it's not aggressive like it is in Albuquerque which we struggle with road rage a lot myself included when I'm behind the wheel of a car <laughs> um so for me if I'm honking a horn it's uh it's an active aggression it's a warning uh whereas in India sometimes it's like I see you or I'm turning or yeah. I'm changing lanes now yeah. or you can change lanes now
0: yeah that it's was a form the of biggest communication yeah
1: exactly uh, it's like a song and dance too yeah. that people do um so that was the only big shock I had moving to India. But when I came home, that's when I had a hard time. I, I think I expected to just slip right back into things very easily uh, because, you know, it's home. But again, I just said it's home. But it kind of wasn't at that point. Um, I was going back to Texas and then back to Albuquerque and then going back to Austin for school. And it just felt so, so weird. Yeah. In a way. Like yeah, I, I remember I the the biggest one was um I re- I was walking down the street and uh in India a lot of people stare. It's just kind of a cultural thing and it's not necessarily rude. Uh, but I was like staring at people, not meaning to, and I was getting the weirdest looks for it. And my dad <laughs> actually called me out. He was like, What are you doing? <laughs> I was like, What do you mean? I'm just walking. He's like, No, you're Staring so hard, you might as well have just borne a hole through that man. (laughs) And I was like, oh, sorry. (laughs) So it was the reverse culture shock that got me.
0: Yeah. Okay. That's an interesting one. Maybe, yeah, as you said, you've been kind of preparing yourself so much for a culture shock going over. Then you you kind of entered the storm to a certain extent, prepared for it. And when you came out, it was like almost, yeah, I can imagine like that kind of sense of, as you call it, reverse culture shock. Yeah. Yeah. A new concept for me. I like it. So we always like to finish with two questions. Um, the first question being one of your favorite places in Dublin.
1: The first place that popped into my head when when you asked this question, because I, I do have a lot of places in Dublin that I absolutely love, but the first place that popped into my head was this one particular cliff on the walk in Hoth. It's one of the first ones that you get to uh, when you start and you just get up like that steep hill section at the beginning steep being relative Mm -hmm. um but you are looking and you can kind of see out of the corner of your eye you can see the pier a little bit uh but you also just see this vast expanse of of water yeah and uh i got lucky i I actually loved health so much i went twice in two days in the first week that i moved here so uh I loved it, but I'm from the desert, so I feel like it was just so novel for me to be standing on the edge of a cliff, like literally on the edge of the the ocean on an island. And it was just such a surreal moment.
0: It's one of my favorite places in Dublin, and I feel like we probably don't know how lucky we are to have Hoth, and I hope that it stays. I hope that it maintains that, um, that it's just so beautiful. Like, I, I love the Hoth cliff walk.
1: It's so good. Obviously,
0: you go to places like Glendalough outside of Dublin, you know, you go to the west of Ireland. It's all spectacular. But actually, on the dart line, there's a beautiful hike that you can do. It takes it takes a while. You did a long one. It can take, you know, two or three hours. But it's it's, as you say, on a nice day, it is spectacular. So I'm 100 percent with you. Hoth is one of my Hoth in general is one of my favorite places, not only in Dublin, but in the world
1: honestly mine too it climbed really fast up to my my top 10 list
0: Mm. um if you were talking to someone who was just about to move to dublin or someone who has recently moved um from your experience here what one piece of advice would you give them to help them settle in faster
1: Now, this is the question that I would have a hard time with I i the favorite place one was so innate, but this one I think is is tough because people can move here from all different walks of life and in all different places mm, um, true. I'd say the best piece of advice that I would give is to kind of find somebody that you can explore with It doesn't necessarily have to be somebody you moved with doesn't even have to be somebody who's from here, but you know get get somebody who you can feel comfortable exploring with. Yeah. Because for me, I I was lucky enough to stumble upon Hoth uh, kind of on my own, uh, just app- Googling. But yeah. having somebody who can show you those little spots, for me, that's that's when something starts to feel like home for me when I have, you know, I have my local, I have, yeah. uh, whether it's my local pub, my local chipper, my local whatever it might be, having somebody who can help you find those little spots for you. And it's not going to be the same for everybody. But at least somebody who can help kind of show you around and get you comfortable with the place is going to be really key. But also, if you don't find that right away, that's totally fine.
0: Yeah. I
1: I, I loved Dublin and I spent the first six days that I was here alone, just yeah. walking around and exploring the city. Irish people, in my experience, have been super friendly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I had questions, you know, giving me directions, figuring out where to go, no problems with that at all. Uh, but just, you know, finding those little gems. Going with somebody, going by yourself, whatever you're more comfortable with, but find your little gem that you can kind of hold on to. Cause that's for me what starts creating that sense of home. Like knowing, oh yeah, this is my favorite entrance to Marion Square Park because I like to sit away from the the kids' play area, for example. Yeah. yeah. Uh finding those little things. So find how, those little things.
0: How do you? How, would, how do you think, or what's a good way to to try and find that person?
1: So obviously there are lots of, there are lots of groups for that, like on, not to plug my company here, that's not what I'm doing, but there are lots of Facebook groups that have like, you know, expat, Italian expats in Dublin, American expats in Dublin. That's a good place to start if you really want to, to do that. But honestly, I have just had a lot of luck if you're, if you're comfortable enough to do it, mm-hmm. uh, just kind of, seeing somebody who's out and about and exploring around you and asking a question and striking up a conversation. I remember one time uh, I was in a, I was in Darkie Kelly's pub when I had just moved here and great pub. Uh, One of the better Guinness pours in the city, I would say Mm -hmm. Um, not that I'm an expert don't claim to be, but I do (laughs) enjoy a good pint of Guinness. Uh, Good. But the, there was a girl at the table next to me and she spilled her beer and I got up just to help her like mop it up with some of the napkins on my table. And, she was like thank you so much let me buy you a pint in return and we exchanged numbers and then i i took her up on it and i went and i met up with her for a pint and uh she to this day is one of my good friends in the city shout yeah. out shelby yeah, yeah um,
0: amazing. so
1: i'd say you know don't you can do your research and find like those expat groups on facebook find some groups if you prefer some a site like reddit i'm sure that there's a, a reddit thread for that but also just try that like little organic meat cute get out get off this digital world get into the yeah. analog world again. yeah yeah
0: if there's an opportunity that comes up take it take it exactly yeah.
1: don't don't be afraid to take those opportunities but i'm cheating and i'm adding another piece of advice also don't feel like you have to do everything all at once yeah moving to a new place is in itself overwhelming for most people yeah uh so if you feel like wow it's been a week and i need a day to just not do anything i need a proper duvet day uh take it don't dublin will be here yeah, it's still it's not here going anywhere. The, still here through the pandemic. Yeah. I'm still here with no plans on leaving anytime yeah. soon. Yeah. So don't rush yourself, but do find somebody to help you find those little places. Yeah. It makes a big difference. Good
0: advice. Rishon, thanks so much. And it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you.
1: It has been a pleasure for me too, Mark. Thank you for having me.
0: No worries. <laughs>